Gomez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to the Cup Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast, and we're back once again. Don't say it. I know you're all thinking it. Don't say it. That song is old, and it's an old reference, but... New season, season 23-24 is underway, game is done, and ABW are making changes. Oh yes, before I go into those changes, let me introduce my guests. At the top of the picture is Brighton's number one fan and all-round good guy, it's Josh Dorr. How are you doing, Josh? I'm all right, thank you. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird, the season being back. I don't feel mm. like I'm... I'm fit. I didn't do a pre-season, so I'm coming in cold, and hopefully my knees will stay intact for the entire show. You look pretty good for me, mate. Very fit. I have to hold the ladies back. Um, no, I get what you mean. It takes a little while, doesn't it, to get your head around what's going on. And uh, speaking of getting your head around what's going on, uh, I rumour has it he's just left the stadium to be here now because that's how long it took to get his tickets to work. Uh most of you will know Femi doesn't pay for tickets. Tickets pay for Femi. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, someone in the in the chat just just threw me off with everything there just now, and I'm just trying to recover. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all happening. Avon. Yep, there you go. There's yeah. there's the one. Avon just just ruined my whole my whole flow there. I had to go on. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering what is he talking a, about there. It's a nice way for Gabrielle to get a new contract, isn't it? Just get your agent just to go. Sign hey. a new, con- just sign wow. a new contract. <laughs> yeah, I well, I, I have to say, I haven't, I haven't even heard of this one, so we'll we'll go into that uh, shortly. Right. Uh, so before we get underway, first of all, good evening to you all in the chat. I see you, uh, Brady's Banana, Hambo Gumbo. That's a great name. Sai, Paul, Neil, Avon, Deadstone, Jim, Billy, Avon. I've already mentioned. Who else we got here? Loki, Steph. How you doing? Hello, good evening to all of you, Clock Orange as well. So thanks for joining us, some bloke called Danny. He sounds like a pillock. Anyway, as you will probably see, we first and, first and foremost, we are streaming this on Facebook. Apparently that still exists. I didn't realise. I thought it was just for like mums and nans, but apparently Facebook is still a thing. So we're trialling that instead of Twitch. The second thing to mention is this season... At least for the time being, we are going to experiment with Monday podcasts. So every Monday, we will be recording at roughly this time, give or take our work schedules, because we figured it's quite a long time to wait for us to review a weekend game on a Thursday. So we are going to be coming to you on a Monday. And during Champions League weeks, we will be doing two shows for you, you lucky devils. So we'll be recording on a Monday and a Thursday in European weeks and just a Monday during the normal games, so Premier League, etc. Um, we probably won't do extra shows for Carabao Cup games. I'm not going to lie. Sorry about that. Obviously, if there's any dramatic major news or transfer windows, etc., we will do some usual extra shows. And, of course, we'll do some interviews and specials here and there as well. Look out for one of those coming up at the end of the month. 
And Chris, the other thing that's changing... Yes, Josh. Before the chat box mentions it, what are we going to do next week? Uh, next week... Because we play on Monday. Play on a Monday. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, good point. When we play on a Monday, we will move the podcast on a day. So we will almost certainly be recording Tuesday next week because none of us want to be recording a podcast at 11 o'clock at night. So yeah, next week or on the case of a Tuesday, a Monday game, sorry, we will record on a Tuesday. So there we go. Best laid plans ruined. I've been holding uh, on to that thing... one for at least 48 hours since you announced yeah, it. Yeah, I, nev- I never even thought about that. <laughs> Piss poor planning on my behalf. The other quick thing to mention as well is that our shows are going to be a little bit shorter. Um, I know you love listening to people like myself waffle on forever. However, there will be less carpentering this season. Our shows will be between one hour one hour and 15 at a maximum one hour 30 but most will be between an hour and an hour and 15 so just just trying to change it up a bit make it a little bit more punchy and uh you know knock off some of the big guns numbers so there we go right enough waffle let's get into it and josh i'm going to start with you victory on the opening day of the season we won by two goals to one against nottingham forest quite a few things that we could Pick up on that. I don't really want to go through the whole starting lineup, but I do just want to pull out um, something that is apparently going to be quite relevant, and that is the absence of Gabriel. And we saw Thomas Partey kind of come into the right back slash inverted midfield role. A little bit of a switch up. We also saw Eddie and Ketia come back in. Were you surprised? And based on this seemingly breaking news about Gabriel, which I must admit I know nothing about, so people might want to fill me in here but um i just assumed he was carrying an injury uh does this change your opinion slightly on that and what was your thoughts on eddie coming in after apparently training very well in the week yeah i think there's a couple of things on there uh i'm just trying to scroll back to have a look yeah it's john cross from the mirror i think we all know him in terms of breaking the story that arsenal defender gabriel is the latest big name star to be targeted for a big money move to saudi arabia now who knows? John Cross has been currently, I think, announcing and breaking all the Chelsea signings. So I'm not sure how close he is to Arsenal anymore. But there we go. Um, but from what Arteta said, it was tactical. Um, that was the sounds of things anyway. And I guess when you looked at that Forest side, did we need the physicality of Gabriel at that point? Or did he want to bring in more players that were good for build-up? So Ben White and Timber either side of Saliba, who we know and have seen, you know, in the, uh, was it in the charity uh, community shield was basically at one point just playing as a lone defender whilst we had nine attackers on the field chasing the game. So we know that Saliba can do that job of just anchoring in the middle. And then it was interesting that we brought in a lot of players just to basically control forest more or less and move up with some, probably you'd say four progressive sixes, in the case of White, Timber, uh, you've then got Rice and Partey just across that four with Saliba sweeping behind. And I think for the most part, we controlled them quite well. Um, we were we were obviously caught out in the counter. We behold, but Eddie also looked to show what he can do. We know he is a hell of a streaky player. And I think for me, my frustrations with Eddie is... You can see the player that's there, but it doesn't necessarily progress at the rate you'd want when you see the likes of Saka getting you know, demonstrably better so quickly 
The same with Martinelli. Same with all of our other youngsters. The progression that Emmy, uh, sorry, Eddie makes year on year or season on season isn't quick enough for us. It feels anyway as a fan base. But when Arteta says that when he was in training all week, that he was basically saying, "You're an idiot if you don't play me." We can't argue with that kind of uh, statement because we weren't there to see what he was doing in training. And clearly he sees another opportunity to cement himself because he now knows that there's pressure on him. But we've got Balogun's waiting in the wings now coming back from fitness. So when we had that issue last season where Jesus was you know, not fit for three months and Eddie came in, then he had that barren spell where we were lucky that we got to January and brought in Trossard and you know, the impact that he had playing in centre forward, we know there's a lot of um a lot of depth now for that position. So everybody's gonna be top of their game, otherwise within an instant they're getting replaced. Do you think as well, just sticking with you for a second, the this whole tactical element, the the Gabriel thing the I guess the argument that I've, I've seen a few people say this, and I think I tend to agree. If you are going to play an opposition who literally come uh, with absolutely zero intent to attack until the last ten minutes, which is exactly what Forest were. I mean, they were they were basically fodder on the day, and we still contrived to to sort of let them back in. But it, is that was that for you justification? Like we, you're comfortable with us doing these sort of changing things up against these sort of oppositions because we can't really afford to do that against any team that's sort of 12th upwards, can we? No, but I think it's also one of those that you could see that it depends on the team. I know we say 12th upwards, but there's still different styles we'll see within that. Maybe it's one against Newcastle we look at because we know how much they just want to sit back, absorb and try and hit us on the break. So you want that strong bank of almost four defenders with someone who then covers and sweeps in behind. Um, but those defenders being strong enough to, or uh, technical enough, they're able to play those passes. What will be interesting now that, unfortunately, it looks like Timber has received a significant injury, uh, what happens there in terms of who comes in? You see Zinchenko being a natural option. You could see Kivior being an option there as well. It's just interesting about what we've what we'll do with this and having this squad that's adaptable and could switch up tactics as well because i think you've seen that pep did it in the burnley game you know he he completely switched from the system he was using before everyone would have assumed oh he's going to go really narrow again like they did to basically take the treble towards the end of the season and went oh no wingers now wing play that's back so definitely we've got an adaptable squad and we can adapt to our opposition if needed yeah yeah for sure if, um, um, we will touch on the stuff before the game in a bit on a separate subject uh, with regard to the tickets etc but what talk to me about your sort of match day experience on the day um, seemed to me like the, the atmosphere was pretty good seemed to me like the crowd was a, maybe a little bit edgy and, and I thought performance on the pitch kind of was, it was a little bit static, wasn't it, for sort of like 10 to 15 minutes. They missed that really big chance, which they absolutely should have should have buried, really. I think a sort of fit and firing um, Johnson, wasn't it, uh, probably takes that on another day. We got away with that. Once we scored the first goal, it sort of seemed to settle everything and the ground seemed to relax. What did you make of the overall performance seeing it in the flesh? 
Yeah, I thought, um, I think you described it well. It could have been a um, a Southampton-type start, couldn't it, with, if that mm. goal had gone in? I mean, it was from our own mistake, really, uh, ahead, I think, from Saliba it was, I think. Um, so, yeah, we did we did start quite, ner- not nervy, I wouldn't say, but we just controlled the game, is what I would say, controlled the ball. And it's. I think it's so hard. The league, I mean... When teams, if if a lower league team comes and does a low block, we usually think, mm, you know, low block. It, it, you know, it's quite hard to break down just nine, ten men behind the ball. Really, when you're talking about Premier League teams who are, you know, still quite fit, they're still quite tall um, and agile, and they have no intention whatsoever of getting past the halfway line. They basically didn't even play a striker. They played, you know, two attacking midfielders peeling off the strikers if they even went past the halfway line. Then it's going to be a game of patience. And I think, I said, when I watched us against Man United this uh, preseason and I saw the way they set up against us, I pretty much said, this is how every team is going to play against us. Even when we play Barcelona, if you actually watch that game, all they did was counter-attack us. That's how they, they they sat back, and if every so we got to get used to this now. Unfortunately, we've been targeted as a team that dominates possession, and it's what happened to Man City at a point where, if you notice, they used to let in goals just straight from long balls or one one ball attacks, and that's the stage that we're in now. We, we're getting uh, pinged by one ball, but saying that, you know, we we didn't really give up a lot. Saliba was. I thought it was just brilliant at the back in the early stages of the game, just controlled the whole pitch. Uh, ben White was pretty much playing right back, to be honest, even attacking right back at some point. Uh, so it was a, it was a, I mean, it was a nervy start, but we, we kind of, the early goal settled us, I would say. Always scoring in the first half in those situation, it totally changes the complexion of the game, totally, always. Yeah, agreed. And sticking with you as well, talk to you about about Eddie. What's what's the opinion like in the ground? Because I sort of feel <laughs> I sort of feel like Eddie gets um gets a bit of a tough. I, the, the problem is, it's like I'm as guilty as anyone because I I'm not convinced that that Eddie is. It's not that he's not good enough. I just don't think he he doesn't quite suit what we want to do. But when he starts, he seems to score goals. And although the, the goal is deflected, it's, it's brilliant for Martinelli to, to create the space. He gets a little bit of fortune in the way that the ball breaks to Eddie. But he's in the right, he's in exactly the position you want your centre forward. He takes the shot early, it's composed, it's a good finish past the returning Matt Turner. And he deserves that little bit of luck with the deflection. Um, he consistently scores goals. Obviously, the crowd warmed him when he scores. I mean, of course, they're going to cheer a goal. But in the ground, do you still get that? I don't know, the undercurrent of he's just not quite us, like in the, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. There's just something that, it, you know, he's just not quite what we want. Do you know what I mean? What's yeah. it like in, in the No, no, it, it's, I mean, like, the reason why I laugh is because there's a particular person that sits two seats away from me and he <laughs> absolutely hates him. Even <laughs> if he scores, whatever he does, it's like, get him off, get him off, look at that, was rubbish, get yeah, him un- off. That's all I ever... <laughs> still gets to go to games, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Eddie's a funny one because he's a throwback striker, isn't he? He's He's more of a... Uh, like an Ian Wright like type striker where in the heyday of oh, yeah like if you were playing a two up front he would be absolutely deadly 
lethal. If he was playing for a Palace, I could see him scoring goals, a Brighton even. Um, swapping for Welbeck, for example, I think he would do well. <laughs> Josh is smiling. <laughs> but I like Eddie, but the only thing is I'll just have to... I'll, I'll just look at it, the same consistency that people have with, let's say, an Aubameyang when I was at Arsenal. People had a problem with his overall game, but they loved it that he was scoring. <laughs> it, obviously, at a different rate than Eddie, but people always had a problem with Aubameyang's overall play. Now, Eddie's overall play is a little bit better than Aubameyang's, I would say, but I don't know if he gets involved enough. And it... And so the drop-off that we saw at the end of last season, for example, when Eddie was playing for Martinelli's performance, for example, where the combination of passes, people used to say they have one, two passes to each other per game, for example. Those types of things don't really help the connection with the team. But he scores goals, you know, he's always there. His overall game has improved a lot. But for me... I'm still, I mean, there was a stat going around today that in the first 15 minutes of the second half, he touched the ball once. Touched the ball once, yeah, you I know, saw that. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not his fault necessarily because we did change our, for some reason we changed our whole system at the beginning of the second half where Hazard basically was playing sort of central attacking midfield and Rice was playing at left eight for some reason and then so the ball seems to be attracted to Haz- um I said Hazard didn't I, I mean Havertz the, the ball he's seems to be attracted to, <laughs> yeah the ball seems to be attracted to Havertz in that second half so it, maybe that's why Eddie didn't get as much of the ball now I think you know the finish was good he, he, he's a finisher I always say, if you give him a chance, he finishes. He, he, that's, he, that six-yard, eight-yard ball, that's that's his bread and butter. That's what he does. But his overall game has improved. But I think for bigger games, I just think we have better options. You know, I I, I, I would prefer to see Trossard in some yeah. of the... like. I, I worry about going away to Palace, for example. How involved is he going to be? We need our centre-forward to be very, very involved in that game to for things to even if they don't stick to them, to bounce off them, for other players to be connected to them. And that's the only thing I worry about with Eddie sometimes. Yeah, I, feel, I personally feel like Trossard probably does play that Palace game. And uh, like I said, it, starting Eddie in this game was was a reward for his work in, in training. Josh, let's um, talk about the new boys then, uh, Declan Rice, Guy Havertz and Jurian Timber. Uh, probably we'll deal with the latter last because that all segues into that injury. But um, as for Rice and Havertz, uh, for me, you know, Rice was, was steady without being spectacular. Uh, did a decent job. I think we saw some flashes of what he's going to be good at in terms of the passing, breaking up play. Um, and I actually thought Havertz was was low-key pretty decent. I know that opinion on him is going to be divided because of the Chelsea element, because he's got this Ozil-type persona. You know, he has got that very languid style. But I thought in particular when he moved into that central striking role, strangely, I thought he he really held the ball up pretty well and and, and created what could have been a couple of clinching chances at the end. And then obviously Timber. Um, going off with that injury was very composed, very, very good in that first half. Is it pretty much a thumbs up for those three new starters on, on the opening day for you? Yeah, I think there's one caveat that I've got on Rice, and I think I'm not the only one at ABW that wasn't necessarily convinced 
by Declan <clears> Rice. <throat> <John>. um, <laughs> I didn't want to name him, uh, just in case oh, no, he doesn't I, come on. Oh, yeah. uh, un, uh, lift up bus, throw under Welsh. That's how it okay, works. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's one of those that I don't always necessarily see the hype. And uh, he looked like he was excited to play for Arsenal. Let's put it that mm. way. There was a lot of things I think he was trying because he was in the buzz of, I'm playing for a big club now. I'm loving this. You could see how pumped he was from the moment he was singing North London Forever. Uh <laughs> Yeah, before the game kicked off, that he's really into being here. And mm-hmm. I think what will come is when he calms down, we'll start to see, or I'll start to see the player that is the hundred £105 million player that we, we bought from West Ham. Because I think there's still, you know, trying to force some things. And, but I think once he gets comfortable, we'll start to see that real player come out from there. And I think the same from Havertz as well, but in the opposite. And as you say, he's not as emotional. I guess I'd probably say similarly to a player you knew very well in terms of Saliba. Saliba kind of came in last season as you know, a bit of a, I don't know how you describe him, maybe a bit of a wallflower. You know, very... Legend. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he was quiet until he felt comfortable. Exactly. And um, once mm. he put one in the top corner against Brentford, uh, he was fine at that point. <laughs> and I think Havertz is exactly the same. You know, he gets that goal in the league or in the Champions League and we'll start to see his personality grow, he gets comfortable. And I think what probably doesn't help is the fact that, as you say, Jesus isn't there. So I think naturally he probably feels like a little bit of that weight on his shoulders where he said, oh, we're not bringing you in for you to be another striker. We want you to get all our goals like it was at Chelsea. But then when your main striker drops out with an injury for, who knows, maybe three months again, it's like, oh, great. So (laughs) I think, is it the reaction he had to the Saka goal? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that's it. I think slowly, the more games he plays in this side, the more he realises he won't be relied on as heavily and he can kind of relax, get into the game, does it, does his things. And obviously he's been snatching at chances. But I think we've seen that from all of our forwards. They went through that season, not last season, the season before, where our front four basically spent their entire time snatching at chances because they didn't know when the next one was coming. And Havertz has been doing that at Chelsea for two or three seasons. I think once we get through, once he gets over that and realises it's fine, I can miss it. I can miss that chance. There's going to be another one because I've got some wonderfully creative players playing behind me or I can help one of my mates out and play a pass into them. It doesn't matter if they'll miss it because chances are they'll create the situation again where I've got another go at that through ball. Yeah. And then, yeah, finally on to Timber. He's looked to be the one that's hit the ground running Mm. uh, in the sense of looked absolutely superb, was the player that I think we wanted almost a clone of Ben White in terms of shithousery, but can play on that opposite flank as well. And yeah, I think it will be a a blow. I don't know how long he's out for at the moment. I think from what they've said, it's just a... um, it's a knee injury, but they've not mentioned ACL and there's many more ligaments in that knee. Mm. And I wonder if we go on to 
yeah, it's a question. I think we'd have to roll it back to find it uh, about whether or not he's uh, he should have come back on. Yeah, um, well, that's something yeah, I know about Sam actually. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, what, yeah. What what was what was the the thought in the ground at the time, Sam? Because I yeah, yeah I, I, I watching. Watching the replay from home, I thought he just pulled his cuff because that's where his hand moved to. But I mean, I, I know our doctor's off to Man United, but you know, have we got someone else who just doesn't do their job? We have that la- lady doctor, don't we now? Yeah, but that's I who, just that's think... who was in all the um, all the introduction videos. Yeah, and um, doing their uh, medicals it was a lady. That's the ambulance coming to get to him now as we speak. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, like in the ground, I mean, you probably speak to people at halftime and stuff. Like, were you surprised to see him come back out? Because, you know, yeah, I just, looked... I sort of work on that premise that if a player's carrying a knock right before the end of the first half, if they're not, I know you've got to rely on the players, like, ju- you know, judgment a little bit, but it just felt like a game we didn't need to risk him. You know, we were, we were cruising at that point. Yeah. And it, it just yeah. seemed like an unnecessary risk, you know? Is that how it came across there? Yeah, I mean, he looked in a lot of pain. It, mm. To be fair, that was an impact injury, which he got a yellow card for. And yeah. it looks like he's injured the other knee. Yeah, on, true. And Josh, it, has, it is ACL because a few mm. of the Dutch journalists have basically said so, that they've spoken to his family, basically. And okay. they're saying it's ACL. But obviously, there's different types of ACL injuries, isn't there? There's... um. The Robert Perez <laughs> ACL yeah. injury. There's there's some worse ones. The Tyrone Mings one on Saturday looked quite bad because yeah, he couldn't yeah. get off the pitch himself. Cool. Um, well, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why I've been saying that to you, Josh. ACL seems. To I be know. The new. The it was new the big thing. Emory I didn't thing. expect us to get one. Um, yeah. It's it's a bit. Um, it's a really really like I've felt really upset since I heard this this yeah. news. It's it's, it's really. It's, th- Throwing our plan and it's, out of window, to be honest. It's six months minimum, isn't it? You know, realistically, minimum, if you're lucky, yeah. it's, I mean, you're, it could be the whole, a full yeah. season. Does it change yeah. your thoughts then around the Kieran Tierney news that we got this morning? Apparently, Newcastle are keen on him or Cucurella, um, potentially even on a loan deal. Do, do you think this changes Arteta's thinking? Because, like Josh said at the start, we have got give your for me, Kivior is, is a centre-back. He's built like a centre-back. He plays like a centre-back. Every time I've seen him at left-back, I'm just not convinced. Tommy Asio, I think, can do a job. But again, for me, he's a centre-back. He can play right-back. Um, I'm not saying Kieran Tierney is, you know, is the best inverted full-back. Um, but Zinchenko just can't seem to get fit. And I, I, I don't want to be that guy. And I appreciate it was for a good cause, but I cannot understand how he's able to play in a charity game and not be available, at least on the bench, for our opener. That, to me, seems very strange. But if he can't keep fit, my argument would be, well, you just keep Kieran Tierney and you switch the inverted side to the right side and you go down that right side rather than relying on the left side inversion. Would you would you be in favour of keeping Kieran Tierney now? No. No, um, <laughs> I'll be know, gone. You know what it is. <laughs> we should definitely never entertain loaning him to Newcastle. No, uh, I agree. Sell, selling him to Newcastle is is problematic enough. Loaning mm. him to Newcastle. I mean, by all reports from you know some people who do have sources in the club, if you read their Twitter accounts, we do actually need to sell players. 
Yeah. We and it, I mean, it's not. It doesn't take rocket science to, to work it out, especially when we're <laughs> going to Brighton and was it? Yeah. Um. Sorry, Brentford and literally changing the deal mm. to a loan deal. <laughs> It should as I mean a lot of people are celebrating saying, Oh, you know, Master Stroke, that means we can sign more players. I saw it as mm, that probably means we do actually need to sell it's players. The only way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you can't keep signing players every summer without selling anyone. At some point it will catch up to you. And it looks like and I think if you look at the players, okay, who can, you look at the players that you can sell, Tierney is clearly one of them. Mm. Another season basically he won't be a starter let's be honest he's just there as a backup again didn't he make the score values is yeah it makes his value go down even more my preference would be if you're going to sell players sell them if you've made a decision arteta clearly doesn't fancy tierney as much as we think oh he's a serviceable left back we like him he's just not in a manager's plans let's be honest because when zinchenko was injured back end of last season it, it wasn't tierney getting picked anyway it yeah, was Kivio getting picked, so it, there's literally no point. You have to pray that Tommy Asu just gets back to form because <laughs> yeah. he's now a very key player for us all of a sudden. Um, I would say sell Tierney, sell Holding, and we've got to sign one more defender. Yeah, that, that that's that's somehow whether it's on loan. Maybe we want to go for um, Cucurella on loan, even though I don't really rate him that much. But we, we... I would I would sell Tierney to Newcastle in a heartbeat if it stops him getting Cucurella on loan. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, there, you, there is... you still you still got you got visions of Cucurella that he haunts maybe his nightmares. Don't see. Yeah, <laughs> I. I saw him being one of the best left backs in world football for about four months until Graham Potter decided that left centre back was a better position for him. Yeah. He just overthought everything. But yeah, they'll play him in the right position. They'll play him left wing back and say, you don't need to always track back. And you'll yeah. see the player that is tearing it up. He is, yeah, he is decent. I, I did hear some talk that we might be opening or be willing to open the idea of um, Fresneda again. Um, that's a name that's come up time and time again. But by all accounts, again, I've always seen him as a right back, so I don't really understand the logic there. Do, do you know that the funniest, the funniest one that we probably should do, but would never happen, is we should just go and get um, Cancelo from City just for shits and giggles, and just play him down the left hand yeah. side and say fuck the world. But um, yeah, well, the, 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 the John Cross report actually linked us with Laporte. That's that's one of but again. The, he's the a centre back. I mean, I just don't get. I don't know what we're doing. It, it, I don't get to be honest. Nothing would surprise you. Well, you, I don't get City's obsessions with centre backs either. No, no, true. They, they seem to play like a team of them like, now, don't they? It's like there's, there's something in football that we're all not seeing. So there's going to be a big change in the, yeah. in, the in a few months. The new inverted centre back is is four centre backs <laughs> across the back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very bizarre. Um, let's get on to happy news then, because obviously at the time of recording this, we don't know, you know, until the club make a definitive answer on Timber. But I think realistically, we have to face facts. It's going to be. I thought the, the the line in the statement that was telling for me was, "We're all supporting Durian at this time," and I was like, "Well, he's not dead," but <laughs> that to me says that that's a player who knows he's going to be out for a very long time. So it's it's really unfortunate. Uh, but a player that let's hope he's not going to be out for a very long time is Pukayo Saka, Josh. And um, he seems to be, as you know, I'm the world's biggest England fan. Um, so naturally, I, I enjoyed his goals for England over the summer. <laughs> um, but he's uh, he's he is, to me, he's just going up levels again. Um, he's a player that, that has to start 
basically every game because that's what Mikel wants. But when he scores goals like that, um, I don't want to under I don't want to underplay the role that Saliba made in that in that goal because I thought his hustling to get that ball back was integral. And also, um, is it is it Trost? No, who is it who steps over on the edge of the box? I can't remember who it was now, but someone sort of manipulates a defender out of the way to allow Saka to cut inside. But it's just a piece of brilliance, isn't it? Like as soon as he hit that, to use the cliche, like you know, it stayed hit, didn't it? You knew that was in, and he's just so pivotal to everything we do, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can see that in how it appears that we're not seeking cover for that mm. side in a player that I think we'd all think that. Well, we haven't got anyone in the squad that can do what he can do. I guess there's yeah. not many teams in world football that have two players in their squad that can do what one of their top talismanic players can do Mm. and that is a slight worry we're always going to fear that the drop off from Saka I think is stark Mm. and I yeah it's one that with your negative tinfoil hat on you'd wonder what Mikel did if there was anything unfortunate that happened Mm. to Saka, not to manifest it. But I don't think it's Fabio Vieira as the answer. Perhaps it's just, we've got Trossard in and that's it. It's Trossard and Reese Nelson. I think it's a change the whole system. I think if Saka gets an injury, you literally have to change that. Because I think Smith Rowe probably is an option as well, but not as a wide right player. You literally change the whole system, which is, I mean, it's a risk, isn't it? Like, I mean, but, but, can I just ask, what is the point of giving Reese Nelson a new contract then? I yeah, I, I, I didn't want to go there, but I, I'm with you. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're all looking at it saying, Oh, we need another oh, we need another one, we need another one. Mm. I think Reese Nelson is the other one. Is the other one, yeah, I agree. I think Vieira and Reese Nelson are probably the cover for the right side. Mm. And then you've got Trossard kind of uh on the study to Martinelli and then Reese also for that side mm. as well. I yeah, think no. that's the pecking order. I've is, not, is what I would think. I've not looked at the um, at the squad properly yet to work out who's homegrown and who's not. But I wonder if Nelson fits that role. That we weren't he planning is, yeah. on bringing does, in another yeah. English player, and think, he would take Raya up a squad. Does well, doesn't he? Doesn't Raya tick that box yeah, if he Raya, comes Raya in? Raya yes. Does, yeah. 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 So the, I think that's and then possibly if you, what well. It if is. you lose holding, that's one going, isn't it? Yeah, holding. Yeah, holding yeah. goes. That's another one going. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Tierney's not class as homegrown, is he? Because he's from no. Scotland. I, su- I suppose. Yeah. If you tick it off, I mean, yeah, Smith Rowe, Saka. Um, does Ben White tick it over? Yeah. Yeah. As English, yeah. So yeah. Ramsdale. I mean, you, you, yeah, it, it's definitely one you'd have to. Fiddle around it's getting close, especially for European football, Saliba where it's even larger. As well, won't he? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Saliba would as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it does... it's, So I, I think I think we're all overthinking that position, and that's that's I think the reason why Reese Nelson mm. got given a new contract is, you know, we might sign one more attacker, but I think they've kind of they play it by the air. They know mm. the three that they wanted is that they've done their business. And then if anything comes up, like Arteta always says, we're always open for business, the, the Arsenal Wenger mm. line. But yeah. I, I just don't see it unless we can get rid of all those players that we need to get rid of. And not just loaning them out, unfortunately. Mm. We kind of need to receive some fees at the moment. The only thing that worries me about Saka, and I don't know if you 
think this way, Josh, as well, with regards to him is he, he's so good and he's 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 taken himself to a level where he's not just a really liked guy with a lot of talent. He's now he's almost indispensable. You know, Mikel Arteta does not want to sub him. He's so crucial, not just in the... He's now adding goals to his game, but he's robust um, and everything goes down that side and his relationship with Ben White is, is so key. And my concern is that, you know, we've seen what's happened with Timber completely out of nowhere. If he got an injury that was, you know, that sidelined him for a long period of time, um, even if you say Reese Nelson is the backup going back to my previous point it's that idea that I feel like we have to change the whole system but then the flip side of that is you look at Saka and I would put Martinelli in this bracket as well and those two know they're going to start don't they I mean they're they're just so good they have to start so it comes down to the Ramsdale Raya thing do you bring in a player of equal quality to quote keep them ready because if you're Saka and you know how much Arteta loves you you know how much you know Kroenke loves him and He's going to play every game. So what's the point in having competition for him? Because he knows he's going to play. Unless you sign Ronaldinho at his peak, nobody's going to going to challenge him, are they? No, I guess the player you want to get in is someone that's very happy to probably get 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes every game. A youngster or a player at the end of their career kind of thing. Or that kind of player that's been doing all right. They're kind of 26, 27. They're at a mid-table side. And it's a step up for them that they never really thought they'd get. Look at Leandro Trossard, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring in a hungry player towards his peak that never really thought he'd end up at this in this position, mm. uh, unless it was a free transfer and potentially gets that. But very happy to be. We mentioned it. I think last season, if it was last summer, we'd look at Martinelli and we'd look at Saka and say, "There's literally no depth behind them." Mm. And right now, we've strengthened one flank, and we did that last January. We've not really looked to do it on the other side, but I mm. wonder if between those three, you've still maintained a similar amount of firepower. My worry yeah. then is what happens within, with what we're doing up front and what changes mm. there. Because there's definitely, as you mentioned, Ben White's influence with Saka. The other big one is Enketia. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely loves drifting out to Saka. Yeah. And players is far more comfortable drifting out to that right-hand side. Whereas yeah. if you look at what Jesus does, he's very happy at drifting either side. Yeah. And it's where I think Martinelli had that patch in form last season where he just couldn't score mm. because he just wasn't getting the service because Nketiah would always make the run towards Saka to open the space for him rather yeah. than coming over to Martinelli. And then we had Xhaka who just wouldn't play an out ball to him. Yeah. Um, that's where I think the change will be. And I wonder if it's then Trossard comes centrally and maybe it's Fabio Vieira out there or yeah. who knows, Sinchenko might be the option. Yeah, well, yeah. We've got more yeah. left-footed players now that it's not just the obvious one of, oh, it's Fabio Vieira out there. Yeah. And you and like you said, Fabio Vieira and Smith Rowe, there's, there's a few options that you could change the system around a little bit to um, to accommodate them. One other question I want to ask, um, I will ask you both this question, just just a short answer on this one. Do you, either of you have a concern? Um, Fem, I'll start with you. This thing that we do where we sort of get into a position in a game where we're comfortable and then we just cruise a little bit too much in that direction, where we just let it slide. Forrest could easily have got a 2-2 out of that. And, you know, you were there, you saw how little intent they had to attack the whole game. 
they bring on one player with a bit of pace, we absolutely crap ourselves in one attack and suddenly they're back in the game. You know, you saw how ruthless City were on Friday night, albeit against what I thought was a pretty average Burnley side. But you saw how ruthless ruthless they were. 3-0, game done, Bosch, that was it. You know, Burnley didn't get a sniff. We've got to be more like that, haven't we? Like, there must be a concern. I could feel it through the TV, the stress in the ground when it was 2-1 because we were crapping ourselves, weren't we? Yeah, we basically did nothing for the second half. It was so weird. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a concern. Um, I think it's... If you're 3-0 up, I can understand playing like that. And I think Arteta has mentioned that quite a few times last season where he says, um, yeah, get 3-0 up and then pass, pass you know, keep the ball. But we were keeping the ball, but we were going nowhere with it. Literally nowhere. That's how you get stats like Eddie hasn't touched the ball because you're not progressing the ball anywhere. It's very slow and there's just a lack of urgency that then when they scored, we had that urgency back, but we had it in a less controlled way at that point. And then the game became a bit more end-to-end without them having a lot of chances. It was too end-to-end. You lose totally lose control of the game. And we've seen that so many times with this team. Now, one of the things that you then have to question is, this probably goes back to the timber injury again, which is you only get three substitution windows, don't you now? And But if you change at half-time, that doesn't count within those three. If you bring out a player at half-time and then one minute later you have to make a change, it was just basically a waste of a substitute, basically, a waste of our free hit. And then you get to the end of the game, you can make one more substitution or one more set of substitution, but because you're two one up, you can't you you can't risk bringing on attacking players. But you know that your attacking players are actually quite tired. So you know we had a few players that were flagging. You know Saka was flagging. So it's kind of like that game management thing as well, where Arteta just has to get that right this season, especially with Champions League. We have to be really careful with that. You have to know that okay, I can only make substitutions in three windows. If it's 2-1, what's my plan? Because it's all well and good bringing on Gabriel and, you know, saying you want to be more defensive, but your forward players are actually quite tired. (laughs) So you have no outlet, basically. You know, Havertz, there was times where he was chasing the ball and there was times where the ball would go and you could think, if Havertz did a sprint there, he could actually get it. But... He he looked he did look quite shattered to be fair. There was a, a yes. point where Arteta was was saying, Come on, come on, come on. Like close down the ball yeah, and the player. That. The ball just yeah. the ball went out of play for a throw. He could have actually got it, but that's like the eighty something, eighty ninth minute or something like that. You could you could you know give him a party probably but we have to manage those substitutions properly. I, I that's for me personally. Yeah. Is it is that the answer, Josh? Is that the key thing? I know you you love a mm. a tactical um, outlook on on football. Is that we, we said it last season, didn't we? That, that this is the one area of Mikel's management that needs a bit of work. Is is that going to be key? The, the next breakthrough of like Fem saying using these subs at the right times and freshening it because I just want to see us when we're in, it's in such control of games. I want to see us put our foot on the neck of opponents. And when Man City are going away from home, winning three 0 on the opening day. You know, I just look at that and go, they're already two goals ahead of us. And I know that sounds mental after one game, but these are 
these are the you know the the limitations you've got to work with you have to keep pace with them yeah i guess so i think we played a more difficult um side than man city yeah, did um, more stubborn yeah. i think i'd also look at it that we saw when we came flying out the traps last season that we could only really sustain that until march before we fell away and you know if we've got to go if we're going for another title charge we've got to be consistent across or sorry we've got to be yeah consistent across the entire season and we've got to make sure we're still in form and we're still hitting and churning games towards the end of the season and that's might come with some you know uh we got lucky with that performances in august but saving that energy then to then push on towards the end of the season i think that's what matters and i know i think i'd start getting worried about goal difference when it starts to matter and the 38th gate or first game probably doesn't matter yeah i'd be worried if we were getting maybe it was five or six games to go and we've already played man city twice and then we've got to hope but to be honest i think if we're in that case we're still hoping that city drop points rather than we outscore them and I think Arteta would pragmatically look at it that way as well. That if, you know, it's, it's, you know, if you've got 12 points left in the last four games and we're neck and neck going into it, I think we're still hoping that they're dropping two points. They're drawing a game somewhere or losing one rather than us trying to outscore an opposition and maybe accidentally drop points because we're too open and really yeah. throw away the title. And yeah, I think that's, Overall, looking at Premier I think I agree with Femi generally that I think Arteta could always improve the cadence of his substitutes and when he chooses to do them. I wonder about the timber one, that you know, knee injuries are so difficult to diagnose. I reckon he's been off for a scan and that was the only way they knew it was his ACL. There's no way you're finding that out in a dressing room with a 15-minute break. It, you're asking the player, do you feel all right mm. to carry on? And you're having to trust the player judgment at that point. I don't think any physio is being able to go, right, yeah, that's your ACL. It's pretty close to going because I can feel the ligament right buried inside your knee has got a slight tear or imperfection in it. I don't think any any physio could spot that in that high-pressure situation as well as a half-time. Yeah. So then the, the, only, the only other yeah, question... True, with, true. The, only, the, the question I was going to say with what you were saying is... Um, around um the the, the tactical stuff <laughs> mm. what 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 do you think about the changes that we make let me let me say the upfront how oh. will how will players like esr viera mm. they had very limited game time last season you know mm. if we have close games how will they ever get a game is is what i'm thinking how would they yeah. stay fresh? How would how would you how would you trust them? Is is probably more the question because you should be able to say, okay, although I love Erdegaard, although I love Saka, mm. they look they're at seventy percent, you know, at after seventy minutes, you know, I should be able to trust the other players to bring them in and say, okay, go and do the same thing. Give me the last twenty minutes and give me more energy. You know, it, it can just come down to that because you, you're playing, you know, like I said, the Premier League is relentless. <laughs> you know, uh, the pace that we play at in this league is, is crazy. You should be able to say, OK, they've done 70 minutes. I know it's I don't want to change them, but it, it could be good to freshen it up. 
Yeah, I think now that we've got the depth, we've just got a larger um, subs bench now. It's got up to nine and make or bring five players on from that. I think, yeah, one of the players we've cited in terms of Odegaard, I think he's actually one of the players that Mikel actually rotates quite well. You always guarantee that about 80 minutes in, Odegaard's probably going to come off in a bit. And I think that's always then an opportunity. But as you mentioned, it's probably what one of three, maybe four players that are up for replacing him. And it's, it can't be all of them. And yeah, there will need to be a time. I think it's getting closer with Martinelli that he's getting to that 75, 80 minute mark. And then he's coming off and Trossard's coming on. But yeah, it's still that concern that we talk about Saka. I wonder if yeah, this Forest game where we had to try and break up an opponent, if you then see one of Partey or Rice make way and another attacker comes on and you still keep some of that stability or in games where one of them doesn't start, it gives you that opportunity to go, right, Rice, you've played 70 minutes, Partey comes on for 30 and vice versa. You get the I, rotation I, I, that way. But. I don't see Rice. I don't see Rice ever. I think Rice is. A, I think we're trying to fit party yeah. in at the moment. <laughs> I think yeah. we're trying to fit party in by all means necessary. I think Gabriel didn't start because we wanted to fit party in. For example, yeah. I think that's he's the one. I, I, I mean, I see you know getting rid of a a defender basically to because hmm. you're basically starting the game as if you're playing the 75th minute and you're nil nil basically that's the way we started the game yeah. and then we finished the game as if we were nil nil <laughs> trying to yeah so it, it was a bit it's, it's i mean it's interesting you know it's something different Arteta did say he wanted to be less predictable and i guess <laughs> the way we started was very unpredictable I guess. yeah and i can see that's how why gabriel was left out for tactical reasons because if you look at all the players that were ahead of him, they've all got far quicker recovery speed for when the ball's going backwards. And if we were playing Gabriel higher up, where one of what, probably Timber might have been playing or Rice or Partey, all three of them are quicker at getting back. Um, J- Timber probably not now after he's done his knee, but generally they're all going to recover when that quick counter comes and we saw that from rice especially with his recovery pace being able to get back and sweep up so i do wonder how we're gonna mix it up across the season and if we do see a return to that formation that we kind of knew from last season where you had that kind of jacquerel odegaard kind of two eights and how thomas Partey or and or Declan Rice fit into that system. Because I know it's one that we were scratching our head about all summer, and it looks like the way that Arteta's approached it is by going, oh, curveball, I'm going to mix up the formation, and I'm going to play both of them alongside three centre-backs. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting. It's, I find it fascinating how we're going to sort of shape up, and I, and I appreciate it. It, it is going to, you know, it's probably going to be a fluid model, and I think it'll be... If, if Timber's injury is confirmed to be as bad as we suspect or it seems to be, it'll be interesting to see if that changes the club's thought process on whether they do need to continue to be in this window or not. Um, purely just on a numbers basis. I just wonder if it forces our hand because he was obviously going to be very pivotal to being a first-team player this season. And, um, yeah, I do just wonder how the substitutes are going to be used as well in that regard because we we cannot afford another big injury, that's for sure. Um 
that aside, we got the win. So obviously that's a good thing. And a win is a win at the end of the day. That's all you can ask for. But I just want to touch on one other thing off the field. And um, this is Pete Colson's question actually ties into this. I want to come to you on this one, Fem, because obviously you were there. Two sides of, of um, well, one incident on Saturday and then an incident that's come off the back of that has been, you know, discussion. The ticket situation pre-game. So we all know that you have a an usher and a red carpet and they, you know, ask you, like, let you, they open a door. It's like got a big, massive sort of, it's like a, is, that, is it like a ring of roses where they just sort of say, please come in, sir. I, I don't know how it works, but you're a VIP as everyone knows, but um, jokes aside, did you get in on time? You, I think you, you said you were in the ground before, didn't you? Or No, I was stuck outside. <laughs> oh, you were stuck outside. <laughs> and it outside. rained as well. You know what? Luckily, I'll say this. The queue that I was in was ridiculous. I'll say that for sure. I was outside for 45 minutes or an hour. Um, but luckily, where I come in, my gate is right there, basically, as soon as you walk in some of the guys that come in basically from the other end so when they, when you when you get off at arsenal station basically to come to our entrance you have to walk past the north bank past all the statues the Kenfire bridge basically that pace was so packed that people could, the sort of pictures that you saw was where it was, was packed basically and people couldn't walk even through basically so people coming from both directions because there were so many people at the turnstiles that other people couldn't walk past. So it was an absolute mess. And someone's going to get in big trouble about that. I'll be honest with you. Let's be honest. It's, it, I think the people that designed the tech come to find out now that apparently the Premier League are insisting on the tech. So it's not an Arsenal thing. Apparently, it's a Premier League thing where they're and all the clubs are kind of going to have to roll it out eventually where they want to go paperless tickets and digital tickets, basically. Um, but the system went down, basically, is what happened. And they had to reboot the system a couple of times. So, obviously, if the system's down and you're asking everyone to bring digital tickets, it ends up that. Well, no one can enter the stadium. And when there's 30,000 people outside, it's an absolute mess. It was carnage that I'm not going to lie to you. And then it started raining, which didn't really help matters as well. Um, someone's going to, yeah, they've got, to be fair, I heard Liverpool had the same issue when they introduced the, the system, but they had it in pre-season, I think. Yeah, but so that was because they nicked where... the technology. That's why that <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> this is probably where we did miss out on on having the Emirates Cup maybe this season. Yeah. Like a proper, you know, the two-day Emirates Cup where they could have trialled it because there was no other way of trialling the system. Did they trial it with the Monaco Apart games, just... you know? Did they, they, did, they, they did, did trial it with a Monaco game, but yeah. I'm guessing a Monaco game would have been different because you won't. It's a 12:30 kickoff. You'll basically just get a rush yeah. of people just coming in around 11:30 yeah. to 12, basically 12:15 is usually yeah. what people do. They would have gone to the pub, whereas a Monaco game is a friendly. People will just be Turn wandering casually to the stadium, yeah. um, and it's an evening kickoff. People would have staggered their their times of coming in, whereas every Everyone came in at the same time and it was a absolute carnage, you know. But like I said, they've just got to get it right for the next game. 
and they're lucky it was it was not in forest you know imagine it was like a tottenham or a, oh, a, a main united main united coming up soon at home you know you you just gotta but with technology i guess you can never know but i know mm. arsenal do pride themselves on getting all these things absolutely mm. perfect and we got emails even before i'd got home you know i got email apologizing and <laughs> then they'll fully investigate it you know all mm. of that type of stuff it's funny actually when i came up for a game with jace last year um honestly jace gives me fucking kittens because he likes <laughs> to go to the pub before and catch up with everybody and i'm that i'm like the tourist if i go to games on my own I'm in the ground like an hour before kickoff, just reading the program, or whatever. Because I, because I get that 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 anxiety of not being in on time, so I always yeah. like to be in and settled. So yeah, I'm, whereas, I'm the worst. I, I turn up five minutes before nowadays. I, I need to guy. stop for doing that. <laughs> if you're that guy, um, I'll, I'll ask stop. both. I'll ask both of you on this one because we have we have got the time to cover this as a question. Um, I saw a tweet on my timeline yesterday that. Um, I'll be honest, it did trigger me a little bit and uh, for for different reasons. Now, before I sort of go into this, I, I will preface this by saying on average, I get to, if you average it out, two games max a season, right? Maybe one away, maybe one home, because I live in the arse end of nowhere. And and it, you know, let's be real, it's very expensive to, to not only get up to London, but also go to games, etc. So I appreciate I'm in the minority here of the fact I don't go to games every week, but the, the tweet essentially was alluding to the fact that the, the mostly young gentlemen and ladies of the Ashburton army, who we all know created a lot of atmosphere last season, did a lot of very good things for the club. I'm not disputing that at all. Um, but I got a bit, little bit triggered by Pete's questions on the screen. Now where he's saying, can we track down the name, the bean counter who cut Ashburton army's tickets by half? Maybe I'm in the minority. I have a suspicion Josh might be on the same boat as me with this one, possibly, but we'll find out. But my argument is no, that that's not how this should be. Um, purely because I feel that the, everyone has the right to support their club however they see fit. And I think this argument that if you don't come in beating your chest, um, you know, or have a drum or shouting abuse at the opposition fans or, you know, just being vocal all game long, suddenly you're a bad fan. Um, I know we've had long running issues with some supporters that have issue with foreign fans and tourists. And don't get me wrong, you know, I, I do believe that there should be a fine split between what you call your local everyday hardcore and, you know, people who can only come over for a, a game once a year or might be on holiday, etc. You know, if I go to Mallorca on holiday, I want to be able to go and watch a Mallorca game and not be judged for it. And I think it should be the same at Arsenal. But personally, I have a, this issue with this sense of entitlement behind that. Oh, you've had a good season. You bang the drum a bit. You've all got the same T-shirts. You've made a bit of noise. That, to me, doesn't constitute that you should just automatically have your allocation where do you stand on this, Josh, first of all? Because I know you're much the same as me. You might not get to too many games Arsenal-wise in a season. Do you feel like it should be fair for all, regardless of whether you want to take an iPad or not, even though I'm not a big fan of that? Personally? I guess I guess it depends on how we define fair. And mm-hmm. you say, I'm not sure how big the allocation was. Was it maybe 200 and they've cut it down to 100 tickets? 
or so. I guess it's where those other hundred have gone. They've not just removed those seats from the ground and gone. Well, yeah, that's now we've got fewer. We've got smaller capacity. That's not what's happened. Other supporters are in that block now. I guess it's probably what's more of the issue is establishing that singing section. Mm-hmm. So it is if there's people around the stand around the stadium who want to join in in that atmosphere. The Ashburton Army weren't the only, you know, 200 people in the ground singing, I think, as you say, Chris. They weren't mm. the only ones banging their drums and shouting. I mm. think it's establishing that area uh, within the ground to ensure that you've got that consistency. And it doesn't matter who's in there at all. Uh, it could be another supporters group. I think what happens is they've got excellent PR and excellent way of showing that they were the ones that helped generate the noise. But no one's mentioning that um, yeah, the, maybe black black scarf group, or uh, I don't think AST, AST might have you know, some allocation of tickets to them, but they're not all in the same uniform, so they're, they're a lot harder to spot. They're all in Arsenal tickets. Mm. Yeah, there's going to be. I know there's a supporters cup in Lancashire that has a handful of tickets available in a season ticket pool. There's plenty of other supporters groups that I'm sure mm. are singing and maybe we we'll diversify it, but I think the main thing about the atmosphere and resolving that is ensuring that those who want to make noise are close enough to each other that it then becomes infectious around the ground. And that was it. Mm. And yeah. yeah, they were infectious. Yeah. It's also, as Femi's probably mentioned, I'm pretty sure a lot of people in the stadium were probably pissed off that it took them 45 minutes to get into the ground. Probably weren't really up for being quite happy and jovial exactly. and uh, shouting about how great Arsenal are when Arsenal yeah, and right the now they've seen as being as a problem of having hmm. got on the ground. Yeah, some yeah. Of the people are sobering yeah. up outside. How dare they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think and, the, and the other to be, thing... To, to be, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, just, just, just really funny. quickly, and I, I want to come to you on this, fan. but I, I got a tweet from a Palace fan and I thought it was, it was quite because this, this this chap doesn't follow me and vice versa. He just literally picked up my tweet and he tweeted me back and said, it'd be great if Palace fans understood this. And I think of all the grounds that we know, Palace is a great example where they do have that quote-unquote ultra section, you know, the live drums, et cetera, the TIFOs and whatever. And although they are, a, you know, a significantly smaller ground, et cetera, um, you know, I just thought that was a really good example of a club that you can compare to. And like I said this is not me knocking the individuals of Ashburton Army. I think what they did was great. Absolutely. And it did help the atmosphere. My issue is, is people dictating to me, how, me, me as an individual, all the people that, that have every right to sit in that seat. Well, if you don't sing or if you don't do what we do, you don't you know dress how we do, etc., then you shouldn't have the ticket because you're not a proper supporter. Um, personally, I, I'm I'm not really a singer. It for me, it's a bit cringe. It's just not my cup of tea. That doesn't mean I sit on my hands and you know go, oh jolly good goal there, chum. That was fantastic. I'm not a prawn sandwich. Um, you know, I'm not like you, Fem. I don't have my own ground to watch games in. But um, but for me personally, I'm just more of a visceral, you know, shout when something happens thing. But I'm not really a singer, and I don't feel the need i'm 40 years of age i don't <laughs> don't need to be associated with a group to feel like a fan i've supported this club over 25 years of my life so where do you sit on it because obviously again you were in the ground you experienced yeah, the, yeah. the the pre-match and i post-match. think not to be fair to them i think they do generate an atmosphere when it's quiet in the ground because mm. arsenal does have a so to be fair to them you do notice the noise 
yeah. that it's constant, ninety minutes. They they do do a good job of that. So I'm I, that's me being, and the atmosphere last season was just incredible, and we definitely somehow, some way, some way do not want to lose that. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but we don't want to lose that. I'm not saying that they generate in the atmosphere totally. Obviously, the team winning generated the atmosphere, and I think if we were continued playing sizzling football throughout that game as well, you would have seen, you know, lots of this is, the noise. Yeah, exactly. This is the the noise would have continued. But um, let's say, you know, it, let's say to be fair, a lot of people have griped with the, t- the new ticketing system. It's, I just don't know how Arsenal can work it to get it fair. The balance system, it works and it doesn't work. Um, for example, I can see why people who have been going for 15, 20 years on silver would have a gripe because me, I opened two Junior Gunners accounts last week for the children and I could put in for the ballot within an hour of me opening that. You know, how do we know people are not opening 10 red memberships? Arsenal don't care because they're getting the £30 or whatever it is for the memberships and then people can just put in for as many ballots as they want. You know, so where's the, how do we, who draws it? We don't know where it comes from. So I can see it becoming a problem if the home form isn't good. Let's put it like that. It's going to get, the noise will get, and you watch it. If the noise will get louder, let's hope it doesn't come to that. And let's hope we just continue, you know, we just continue getting better and better. But it's just something to keep an eye on. But, you know, we, uh, if the team, the team is the fans, basically. The team, mm. when you see Erdegaard waving his hands like that, th- those are the t- things that get the crowd going. You know, like you said, I'm not really a singer. Like, things are, if there's a song around me, yeah, I'll, I'll sing a song. So it's, mm. let's just, let's, let's see how it goes. There's, 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 to be honest, one thing I do know is, from what I've been hearing, it's, li- it's not li- all the way stopped out, but it has stopped a lot of the touts. <laughs> yeah, which is a good that thing. Was going around. Yeah, and, mm. and but you can still see tickets online for like a thousand crazy pounds. money. I don't know how they'll yeah. ever stop that. And I do think there's still people using bots to buy tickets because I yeah. needed one single ticket last week, just one. Every time one ticket came online, within two John. seconds it was gone. So there's yeah, clearly yeah. some people that know how to manipulate the system. Yeah, and as I say, you know, like I said, I, I thought it would be an interesting topic to debate, and I'm I'm not sitting here saying that certain people shouldn't get tickets, and, and yeah, if you've been going every every year of your life or whatever, and then someone suddenly says, oh, actually, you've got to, you know, you've got to go into a pot for that, my friend, it, it sucks. I, I get that absolutely 100%. I just have an issue with, um, I guess, that sense of entitlement, and uh, how do we know if some fans won't make similar noise if they're never able to get to games, which I guess is the other argument. Um, and God forbid that we have another season where things go <laughs> go to shit. Um, but there's also that other argument of the same supporters that are vocal for the good could also be very vocal to the bad. So I suppose there's a there's a balancing act there. But um, but yeah, like I say, uh, it's provoked some good good interaction in the chat. So thank you all for keeping it keeping it. Um, fair and and appreciate that because I, I i do appreciate it does divide people um now arsenal if you could arrange my transport up every week and pay for my tickets that'd be great mm. thank you <laughs> uh 
we are just going to um, start to bring the show to a close with our, our new timescales, etc. But we have got a couple of questions just to rattle through very quickly. Um, Pete also highlighted this rumor that is going around about Gabrielle. Um, do either of you want to want to go at this? I'll just throw it to the floor. Do we think there's anything in this? I mean, it, it seems a bit of an odd one. There's the tweet that Danny's just kind of put up on the screen from from John Cross, the Virgin, uh, John Cross, um, suggesting yeah. that. That yeah, he's. I mean, being targeted is one thing. Um, yeah, us being to open to selling him, I think, is very yeah. different. But yeah, what do you reckon, Fem? I was about to say that I would think I would think John Cross probably got wind of you know maybe a contact in Saudi that's told him, oh yeah, they're they're you know looking at Gabriel, but to sell Gabriel, I mean, he just signed a new contract. I mean, if they kind of come in with 80, 90 million, fair enough. But yeah. what's the actual point unless you are i mean the article says arsenal like laporte i can't see um man city selling us laporte for some reason yeah. and do you even want laporte considering his injury record i mean gabriel started yeah. 73 games in a row before saturday like yeah. do you want uh, you know laporte's been out injured so many times and he can't do get in the city him? side so do exactly. we really want to sign so, that uh, cast off again well, i yeah. think we're all right we're all right well, right. I think I don't yeah. think that will happen. It's probably just like you said, interest. Interest yeah. is one thing. Um, delivering on that interest is exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just a, it's a year coming into when he last signed his deal. Maybe. Yeah, makes it's sense. a good opportunity just to slide it in and go, hey, yeah. put some people on some bigger contracts now, and we still know that Big Gabby is very important to us. Uh, and yeah. I'm imagining the Champions League money might have uh, done that, and anything that can go out there. New deal as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah agree. There's lots yeah. of deals in there where he thinks, you know, or his agent goes, oh, I reckon I could squeeze another couple of, you know, uh, maybe a million or so out of that way yeah. budget. We've seen that we. We are going to be moving players on. There will be space, I yeah. imagine, in that wage bill yeah. uh, for Gabriel to sign another new contract. And I guess he's still happy to yeah. be at the, well, club. the The player seems happy. And I, I mm. still think that there was a slight injury doubt. I, th- I, th- I still think that's why he didn't play Saturday. I, I don't buy the tactical thing, personally. I I just, there was rumours that he, he had an injury in training on Friday and that's why they didn't risk him. And that's what I choose to believe. I could be wrong. Um, and I can confirm, by the way, uh, John Cross does indeed have wind. Um, <laughs> and the other one I wanted to just pull out of the the pot as well. Actually, we'll do these two because we've got time. Um, Billy wanted to ask um, to the panel, what is a striker that you think Arsenal should pursue next summer? don't know about you two, but <laughs> assuming he can keep his betting slips to himself, Ivan Tony is a good fit for me. If, if, the, uh, if the stars align, I feel like he's a very good fit myself you're not convinced I don't know. Just... <laughs> no and i'm waiting to see which brighton forward femi's going to mention of who which one is it going to be is it going to be evan is it evan or is it going to be Jao pedro i think it's going to be evan isn't it yeah he seems it could to be, be evan yeah. he looks like i think it depends on how he pursues this season i think mm. next summer what you're buying is you're still buying potential and a raw talent yeah. Um, if he can get into the role that Deserby wants him to, where he is a nine and a ten, then you've got a hell of a player on your hands. Yeah, true. Multifunctional. Uh, but that's where I then look at Charles Pedro, and I mm. mean, I've only seen a little bit of him, but already he looks—he looks like the Isn't next just, one. 
striker mm. in the same mold as what we've got already. Yeah. Yeah, but we're looking then to what upgrade on Enketia, which he'd be an upgrade on Enketia, and he's so far not as injury prone as Gabriel Jesus. And I guess the question mm. also is is what's happening with uh, Balogun? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll still we'll come on to that question in a second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you My, could just you could just go and get Aubameyang back, or Alexis Sanchez yeah. is on a free, you know free transfer at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> get, you know what, uh, um, Victor Osman, this is mm, scary. Actually, mm. he signed a new contract, didn't he? And he's yeah. got a release clause in it, but mm. it's that's, quite high. That's the big catch. Yeah, mm. 150 million euros, which yeah, in I mean, we pretty about 120, 130. Mm. I mean. I don't want to see him at Chelsea next season. And I could see <laughs> something like that happening yeah. where he goes to Chelsea or United, someone that needs a striker. Mm. Um, and why would we, we could go for him. Why not? I, I, if we have another good season, if you, if you're saying your team is, you know, pretty much set and you just want one signing per season, yeah. uh, mate, he's coming to the Premier League next mm. season for him to put that release clause in and it's yeah. active in 2024. That yeah. that's a player, but if not, let's go back to. I don't really like going back to Brighton because I I'm, personally I don't <laughs> like what they've what they've done this summer is crazy for me. You're, you're not you're not a fan of uh, owners no, taking the piss out of the rest of the top six. <laughs> no, is that what you're not no. a fan of? Can't believe it. I mean, what I would say is that they did sell <laughs> one player below fit below market value. Yeah, but didn't mm. when he wasn't being calls. a dickhead. Yeah. Because they uh, they said, all right, actually, you've been a long servant. Don't leave us during the World Cup. You're going to go and mm. have a massive one. Yeah, in order for you to stay and get us European football, we'll put in a smaller release clause for certain teams. And again, I just I just, yeah. I just like Deserby's ruthlessness, though. Like that quote you oh, put yeah. in the group today, and he's just like, you know, I don't speak about players who are no longer with us. You know, yeah. basically, he's dead to me. And I'm just like, that's brilliant. He was like, like, he was like yeah, we've forgotten Caicedo. That was his... Yeah. Um, pre-match press conference before Luton gone that's how it should be you know and I I I call it now I said all along I didn't like the cut of Caicedo's jib and the fact that he's chosen Chelsea just tells me everything I need to know about a kid so I wish him nothing but injuries and hell um (laughs) and boy 10 by the way has just asked quickly on Jonathan David uh he didn't have the best start to the season (laughs) he missed three uh well at least two arguably three pretty good chances against uh, Nice at the weekend so Jonathan David, Jonathan David, whichever you, I think he is a player who probably will end up in the Premier League at some point, but it will probably be more of a, uh, if I had to put my my head on the block, an Everton, uh, a Villa, a, you know, I feel like that's where he's going to end up. I don't think he's going to get the... another cheeky one for, I'd put Mm. out there, Isak. Who I love. And I still think we missed, we missed that opportunity. How? Yeah, Newcastle. I mean, him. Newcastle are now, yeah. <laughs> you know, never going to sell players. We have That's the thing. You've we got to try chance. and get a player who just, you've just got to upset the boat. It's the same as mm. that you saw at Man City when players want to leave. They'll do everything to leave. And if you've got a manager as ruthless as Pep, then he'll go, yeah, see you later. And I know we can say, oh, the Saudis can, you know, mm. afford, Newcastle could afford to have a player just sitting in the reserves. Well, I'm not so sure on that he's one. A weird, he's a weird one though, Isak, because he would he would honestly fit us now perfectly. Mm. 
because he's not just a big, tall front man. He's quick. He's technically brilliant. He holds the ball up well. He links the play. He's young. He's athletic. You know, I just, I really feel like that was one we probably could have got done and probably should have got done. Um, But yeah, it is what it is. Um, Let's finish on Balogun because Avon's asked, uh, are Monaco serious about Balogun? I feel like I'm well positioned to take this one. Um, Short answer is yes, they are. The problem is, have they got the money? Inter Milan have just signed Marco Arnautovic. Yes, that <laughs> one. Uh, they're going full banter once again. It's good to see the old Inter are back. Uh, I think what that tells me is that Inter have not got huge amounts of money. However, what it also tells me is that they are looking at, they brought in Arnautovic as almost like what Real Madrid did with Hosselu. They've brought in a stopgap before they go for the big fish, i.e. obviously Real Madrid won Mbappe. I'm not convinced that Inter are willing to pay what we are trying to sell Balogun for. Um, and let's just once again repeat, Balogun is not going to leave Arsenal for 50 million quid. Anyone that thinks that is a moron. He's going to go for about 30 to 35 million pounds. So about 40 million euros max. And it's whether we... I think it might end up almost being a rice type deal with Balogun where we sort of accept 25 million up front and then a series of add-ons. The two names that I would probably keep an eye on over Monaco and Inter uh, would be West Ham and Crystal Palace because they've both got uh, vacancies, shall we say. Balogun would start every week for both those clubs. Um, Palace aren't as skint as people think they are and uh, (laughs) Balogun under Roy Hodgson would be an interesting vibe. But as, I think West Ham as was he under David Moyes. I feel yeah. sorry for his career if he ends up at either of those two sides. Yeah, and and I agree with what Boy's saying there. It's a weak fee, but it's what he's worth, mate. It's what he's worth. And as much as I love my French football, um, Liga is is not a league that, however much I like it and I enjoy it, and I think it's a, a talented league. No one looks at Liga and says, oh, well, he scored 40 goals in Liga, unless you're Mbappe. <laughs> Nobody's going to rate strikers. It's the reason why Eli he's going to go for sort of 20 million. It's the reason that, that David is available for sort of 20 to 30. You, you, pip, players are not going to sign from France for big money. They're just not. So, you know, yes, he got a lot of goals in Liga, but he played in a Rams team that was set up for him to score those goals and a team that was literally created for him. Um, at Arsenal, that's not the case. Um, and I think, I don't think he's got an attitude. I think he's, you know, I think he's, he, he, I'm sure he's fine with Arsenal. But I think in his mind, he'd already made his mind up before he came back that he wanted to move on. So um, although that fee seems weak, you've got to remember what we paid for him when we first took him. It's a massive, massive profit. And, you know, we, as Femi said earlier on, we need to sell. So, um, yeah, Monaco's a good fit, by the way, particularly if their star striker ends up in jail. So, you know, <laughs> less said the better. Well. Right. Um, just before we leave then, final thoughts, Josh, ahead of Crystal Palace, which I believe is our next fixture on um, Monday, this time next week, isn't it? Are you confident that we can go to the uh, the ultras of Palace and cut them down? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the game where we give Roy Hodgson a heart attack and that finishes him off for the season. Oh, poor bastard. <laughs> he nearly had one on Saturday, didn't he, bless him? Oh, I think so. He's going out and fighting people. He, he doesn't was. care. He's he sick. Swinging yeah. arms. Swinging arms. Yeah, Femme, are you going no. to make the trip across London for that one? No, no, no not for that no, one. I don't, I don't think do away games. Femme doesn't do south of the river. 
without a horse-drawn carriage. What I would say is this weekend is interesting because Manchester United are playing Tottenham. Yeah. And Newcastle are playing Man City. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got a really tough game. I do Man too. United should be about 4-0 down, by the way. I'm really? at this in the corner of my eye. Yeah. Wolves <laughs> are still... absolutely smashing it. Have you seen that run? Still still Have you seen that run of yeah, Cunha's in the first yeah. half where just uh, yeah. Martinez bounces off him like he's a toddler? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, I'm worried about that Palace game. Me too. Um, it, it won't it be the same sh- as last year, will it? Yeah, and... You know, it's a tough place that we always do struggle. And we, we last year was Zinchenko and the Jesus show, to be honest with yeah. you. So let's let's see if we can get Zinni back. And up front, we need the ball to stick. We need it mm. to stick away from home. You know, our waveform was so good last season. And, yeah. uh, man, we miss Gabriel Jesus so much. It's like we, he doesn't oh. exist. But yeah, let's let's hope you know a, a tie. Any sort of win would be great, but I can see a draw, unfortunately. But I I'm think just, what might, I'm naturally pessimistic anyway. What might help us is that one of their best players is linked with a move away, and that might still go through in the next week. In Anderson, Olise. Oh, Anderson. Okay, Anderson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Olise's yeah, yeah. injured, yeah. isn't he? Oh yeah, of course he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Chelsea is still keen because they just don't care. They'll <laughs> sign everyone like one leg, three legs, no legs. We don't care. Sign them up. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I'm confident, but much like you, Fem, I always sit in the pessimistic box. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it will be a, a tough, a tough game. But again, realistically, if we want to be in the title race, we have to go and try and win. So let's hope for that. But we will be back, as I said, after that game uh, on the Tuesday, not on the Monday. Um, so schedules aside, we, we should be back for the Tuesday. Um, usual lineup this season. There may be a few people, like some weeks we might have two people on, some people, some weeks we might have four people on. Uh, Danny is here, as you can tell by the wonderful graphics that are being displayed on the screen as we speak. Um, he's just sitting in the background because he's uh, naked. Um, and nobody needs to see that under any circumstances. But yeah, Danny will be here uh, pressing the buttons and contributing as the season goes on. Just a reminder, like I say, we have trialed Facebook tonight. So those of you who have w- been watching us on Facebook, uh, good evening to Sharon, to Dawn, to Petra, uh, to Mick, uh, to uh, Stephen, and all the other 50 pluses on Facebook. I'm joking. I'm joking. But thank you for joining us. And of course, if you do like the show, um, do please give us a like, give us a subscribe, flick the bell, share it with your friends. I don't have friends. So, I mean, you know, would you hang out with somebody who looks like this? I wouldn't. But if you do have friends, do share our show with them. Uh, lots of things coming up soon. We'll be having an interview with Charles Watts soon with his new book that's upcoming. So look out for that. Um, I'm in the process of trying to sort out a couple of interview specials as well. Um, and we will be doing a Cribs with Femi soon. So look out for that <laughs> when he shows us his four swimming pools. <laughs> but uh, that is it for tonight. So Fem, thank you for being a part of the first show of the new season. Thank you for coming on, mate. That's all good. Good stuff. And uh, Josh, thank you very much for coming on as well. You can now go and polish your bike. That's all right. I had to be here. You Well, technically, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you two aren't here, I ain't going to talk to myself. Right. Many thanks to the chat. Uh, Thanks to my guests, Fem and Josh, to Danny in the background. Uh, If you do like us, stick with us. 
because we're in for a long old season. Could be good, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit, as somebody famously once said. Well, whatever happens, we'll be here for it. So thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate your time. And we'll see you next week. Up the Arsenal. Good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was... Danny beat me to it. And then I thought... As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged. Microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>